Right, a lot to get through this morning, well that's alright. If you've got your Bibles, please take them out, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 2. And of course, uh, in this season of Advent, in this time of you know, preparing our hearts for Christmas and turning our eyes on Jesus, we've intentionally tried to bring uh, messages that have a Christmas theme to them. So of course, we... We looked initially the first week in December at, at family, how Jesus was born in the midst of a family, family's front and center at this time of year, and inviting God into that space where, they, where, where we need healing or just things um, need to be kind of just dealt with and restored to bring those before him. Then we looked at the thrill of hope, how we can't come to Christmas without reflecting on and recognizing hope. The hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that's not just in an outcome, but in Him, in Jesus. And then last week, of course, Catherine looked at you know, this, this whole area of silence and solitude, how in the midst of the busyness, you know, quietening our hearts before the Lord, giving Him space and undivided attention, which is something so important, but something not always easy, is it? Particularly this time of year. And uh, as I've been reflecting on Silence and solitude this week, I, I was thinking about that Christmas hymn, Silent Night, and it's always baffled me a little bit because, well, there are animals there, and animals aren't usually quiet, and there was a child that was born, and that's not usually a quiet thing, but I came across this uh, little picture during the week, if we can bring it up, and I thought maybe this is why it was called Silent Night, hopefully we can bring it up. Just wait in silence and solitude. And <laughs> there we go. Oh. So it says, if you can't see that, how many times do I have to say I'm sorry? I forgot to make reservations at the inn, okay? The real reason it was a silent night. <laughs> A silent and frosty night, perhaps we could say. <laughs> anyway, on that note, let's keep going, moving along. So this morning, continuing our Christmas theme of messages. And uh, for me at this time of year, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I shared that for whatever reason, the Lord seems to highlight uh, particular lyrics from Christmas carols that, he just, um, that resonate in my spirit, that he puts on my heart to reflect on and to just mull over in this Christmas season. And so, again, that's, he's done it again. So the title of my message this morning is, O Come, Let Us Adore Him. O Come, Let Us Adore Him. So thank you to the worship team for, for starting the set with that today. But as we come to Christmas in just a few days, um, you know, hopefully there have been moments of, of, of quietening our hearts before the Lord, of reflecting on hope and peace and joy but we can't come to Christmas without a sense of, of having adoration of the King. Adoration of our King. Recognizing who He is, His Lordship, that He is the one who is worthy of our praise forever and ever. And I never thought I'd say this in a church, but perhaps the artist, music artist, Kanye West, who's recently come to faith in Christ, puts it best. His latest album is a gospel album, and it's called Jesus is King. 
How about that for an album? Someone who was in darkness and he's come to faith in Christ and walking, or has been brought out of darkness into the light. And I looked at um, his artist page on Spotify, on the music streaming site, and every other, he's, he's got 40 million listeners per month, roughly. And every other song on every other album he's ever released has a little disclaimer, explicit content. And then this album that he's just released, it's called Jesus is King. What a, what a turnaround. I think that's amazing. Um, and, you know, I just love it because there's no ambiguity. There's no, you know, arty-farty creative title that you need, you know, prophetic discernment to kind of decipher. It's just straight down the line. Jesus is King. And at Christmas time, I think it's so important for us that we recognize that Jesus is King. He is Lord of all. And so... And as a result of that, the response of our hearts being adoration and worship of him, our king. And so I want to read this morning an account of this kind of adoration and worship, of this acknowledgement of the kingship of Jesus, if you like. So let's uh, read together in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is a well-known passage, of course, that we read a lot at this time of year. And where I want to head this morning is in line with the O Come, Let Us Adore Him theme. But just first of all, as we read this, this account in Matthew's Gospel, there's three main players in the story, really. There's three, I guess, approaches or, or responses to Jesus that we read. First of all, There's a response of hostility and resistance. We see that in in Herod. This was Herod the Great who who ruled for 30-odd years the time uh, in the lead-up to the time Jesus was born. He was a ruthless, powerful king. He uh, wasn't afraid to to, um, get rid of, shall we say, anyone that was kind of uh, threatening his rule or his power. His wife, some of his sons were disposed of because of that fact and you know the wise men come and say where is he who's born the king of the jews we've come to worship him 
hang on, hang on a minute, a king you say? All of a sudden, the suspicion, the insecurity arose. He was afraid that this child, that this king was going to interfere with his life, with his place, with his power. He wanted to be in control and have the power. And you know, there are many today who see in Jesus one who interferes with their lives, who interferes with their desire to do whatever they want to do. But following Jesus isn't about that, is it? It's about ceasing doing what we want and dedicating our lives to doing as Christ wants. You may be in a place this morning, perhaps you've come along as a guest here at Christmas time with family or you've been dragged along to church. I'm not sure. I don't know each and every one of you here. Uh, but I want you to know that you're, you're not here by mistake, that Jesus loves you, that he desires a relationship with you. And I, I pray that today... Um, any hostility and resistance you have towards him might be, be, be broken down as you encounter God's love for you. The second reaction or response to Jesus we see is complete indifference. And we see that in the lives or in the response of the chief priests and the scribes, don't we? They were summoned to tell Herod, you know, when and where and how the, the promised one, the Messiah, would be born. And I just think it's fascinating because they knew Scripture back to front. They could pinpoint the exact prophet, Micah 5.2 is what is quoted here. They knew exactly, they could quote all the prophetic Scriptures pointing to Jesus, the promised one. But it did not make the slightest difference to them that the promised one, that Jesus, the Messiah, may have arrived. Perhaps they were so engrossed in the temple, in, in ritual, that they, they missed it, or they disregarded Jesus. As I've been reflecting on that this week, I think it's easy to point the finger and say, well, how could they have missed it? They knew the scriptures. They knew they were in the church constantly, in the temple constantly. How could they have missed it? But if we're really honest with ourselves, with myself, how often we can be indifferent. We can miss it as well. We can be so caught up and interested in our own affairs that, that somehow Jesus kind of just gets pushed to one side. Perhaps today you're in that place. You've, you've heard it all before. You, you always go to church, but the wonder of Jesus has grown dim. Or the thrill of hope at Christ's coming is a distant glimmer. Well, let me encourage you today back to this place, this third response, if you like. And that's this, adoring worship. This is the response of the wise men. They came on this journey to see the one who had been born king. They came to worship him. The attitude of worship and adoration to the one who is king. The desire to lay at the feet of Jesus the most precious and noble gifts, costliest gifts they could bring. And you know, when any one of us, when we recognize the love of God in Christ, we too should be lost in wonder and love and adoration and praise to our King. And so this is kind of where I want to just pinpoint and focus this morning. Oh, come, let us adore him. This response of adoring worship and reminding ourselves of the importance and priority of this at this time of year and, of course, always. But first, let me ask you this. Where are you at this morning? 
What is your response to Jesus this morning and as we come to Christmas? Are you in a place of resisting him? Perhaps opposing his desire for lordship in your life over every area? Is there a sense of indifference or familiarity even? Or is it an attitude of heartfelt worship and adoration? And I pray today that we would not leave this place the same. That if there is that sense of indifference or resistance, that we would leave different than when we came in today. And that if there is that sense of heartfelt worship and adoration, praise God, but I pray that that would be just stirred and awakened afresh or in even greater measure this morning. As we think about this well-known and often sung Christmas hymn, O come, O come all ye faithful, come let us adore him. As we reflect on the lyrics, we find that there is an invitation and a response. There's an invitation and a response. And in our lives of faith, there is always an invitation and a response. There's always an invitation from the Lord to come, to go deeper, to know him more. And there's always a response on our part required. So it says, the lyrics that we're focusing on today, O come, this is the invitation, O come. O come, the invitation, the exhortation, come and see, come and behold. It's so important, come. And then the response, let us adore him. Let us adore him. Let us. What's stopping you this morning? What's holding you back? If there is anything, I pray that that would be laid aside today. Let us adore him. Bring him our worship. Pay our homage to Jesus the King. Bring our adoration to to him. And that's the exhortation for us this morning. The invitation to behold Jesus, the King of Kings, and have our hearts awakened to respond with heartfelt worship. Because as we think about the account of these wise men, there is a real sense, I believe, of them heeding the invitation and responding. So the Magi, the wise men, you know, not too much is known of them, biblically speaking. It says they're wise men, Magi, from the east. And of course, over the years, legend has given them names and a number, uh, basically because there's three gifts that were given to Jesus. They thought, well, there must be three wise men, giving them titles. But there's not too much we know about them, except they came from the east. They were probably very learned uh, men who were seeking out the truth, were seeking out and, and, and uh, of course, followed the, the stars as well. But they came from outside the religious community, we could say, as Gentiles. And this is significant because Jesus came as the saviour of the world, Jew and Gentile. They were seeking the Lord. They were intentionally seeking out the one who had been born king. They recognized Jesus as king, and they responded to Jesus as king. And in this word, as as they say that we've come to worship him, there's a sense that it was more than just earthly homage, you know, that you would pay to another earthly king. The word used for worship here that Matthew's used, the the connotations of that are only expressed, um, worship expressed and given to God. And so in bringing this exhortation this morning, O come, let us adore him, I just want to spend a few moments focusing on what does this adoration of the king look like in our lives? What did it look like in the the account of the wise men 
And what does it look like in our lives today? Because when we look at the account of the wise men, there is a clear sense of them coming, coming with intentionality. Coming with intentionality. Verse 2, we have come to worship him. And if we think about the, the Christmas carol, it starts off in the verse, O come, all ye faithful. O come, it's, it's not just coming, uh, or not just staying far off, or keeping at a distance, but coming with intentionality. They come to worship, the only right response when coming to Jesus. You know, they didn't just come to simply check him out, to be spectators, to critique Jesus, what they liked about him, what they didn't. They came to worship him. They came with intentionality. And I think there's something in that for us as we come before the Lord, as we follow after him, as we seek him, to come and not just be present but absent, if that makes sense, but to come with intentionality. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I want to seek you. Lord, what are you doing? I want to worship you with intentionality. And they not only came with intentionality, but there's a sense of joy. Yes. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Yeah. I love what it says in verse 10 of Matthew 2. It says, When they saw the star, where they, as it came to rest over the place where Jesus lay, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's a lot of joy. We could look at all the different words there, but it's a lot of joy. Basically, they were full of exuberant joy. And I'm not even sure quite what that looks like. Perhaps you've seen someone rejoice exceeding with great joy. I imagine it would look amazing and wonderful. And I imagine that that kind of joy and rejoicing is something that we could all do with some more of. It reminds me of the, the carol, Joy to the World, the Lord Has Come. The Lord has come. He's come to set the captives free. He's come to bring salvation, to rescue and redeem. That is joy to the world. That is good news for us. There was no sense of the wise men of, oh, great, we've arrived, we can see the child, and let's go, we've seen that, done that, ticked that box, got the bumper sticker. There's no sense of, I'm tired of traveling everywhere. There's no sense, oh, I've got saddle sores. Whose idea was this anyway? It was the expectancy of them being about to see Jesus. And it caused them great joy. And for us, I believe there is a sense as we follow Jesus, as we live for him, of there being a sense of joy as we adore him. To come and adore him, of course, coming with intentionality, with joy, but it involves seeing. Look what it says in verse 11. And I love this as well. It says, going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped. They saw Jesus and fell down and worshipped. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. And it goes on to say, come and behold him, born the king of angels. They saw Jesus. They beheld Jesus, the king. They had, I guess we could say, revelation of the promised one, of the Messiah, the one who is born king. And as they saw Jesus, as they beheld him, they fell down and worshipped him. Could there be any other response? You know, something happens when we see Jesus. When the eyes of our hearts are opened, 
or opened afresh to the wonder of who he is. Do you need to see Jesus afresh this morning? Do you need to see Jesus afresh this Christmas? Does your heart need to be awakened afresh with wonder at the one who is king? Do you need to rejoice exceedingly with great joy at your salvation, at seeing and knowing Jesus? Let me encourage us this morning. What better time than now, than this Christmas, to recalibrate where that's needed? Let this Christmas be a time of seeing Jesus afresh, of our hearts being awakened afresh. As Paul prays in Ephesians, when I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be opened, would be enlightened, And let our response be to, in humility and reverence, to fall down and worship and adore him. And for the wise men, as they beheld Jesus and responded in worship, this adoration also looked like an offering. And our adoration of the Lord also looks like an offering. The worship of our hearts married to the outworking of our lives. There's something tangible about our worship, is what I'm trying to say this morning. The worship of our hearts being outworked and translated into how we live. Let me explain what, try and explain what I mean. The wise men offered their treasures. They offered gold and frankincense and myrrh. Costly gifts, gifts fit for A king, we could say. A costly offering. And what I love is as we think about this account of the wise men, the offering that they brought, they didn't just come for what they could get. They didn't come for what they could get out of it, did they? They came to bring an offering. They came to worship the king. And it cost them something. They're expensive gifts. It was an epic journey. And for us as well, in our worship of the king, it costs something. It costs something to follow Jesus, to worship him, to give our yes to him. And as I've been reflecting on this this week, what came to mind was the story of King David in 2 Samuel 24, and we won't turn there for the sake of time, but uh, he wants to bring an offering to the Lord, make a sacrifice to the Lord. There'd been a plague that had been released on the people, and um, he'd messed up, he'd made some mistakes, and God had lifted that that plague in the end. But he wanted to bring an offering, just an offering of worship to to God. And uh, the one who owned the land was, was happy to give him the land as, as a, the threshing floor as a gift for free, you know, in honor to him as the king. And he said, no, 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 no. I will not sacrifice to the Lord offerings that cost me nothing. I'm not going to bring an offering to my God, an offering that's flippant or easy or convenient. That's not worthy of a king. And in the same way, the wise men, they weren't going to bring an offering to this king that cost them nothing. They brought what they could. They brought their best as an offering to the Lord. And I feel like there's something in that for us this morning as we think about our lives of faith as as to how we come before Jesus. 
Because I'm sure you'll all agree that we live in a, a consumerist society. Particularly noticeable this time of year with, you know, the, the shops and the gifts and all those kind of things. And that's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with giving and receiving gifts, of course. But this consumerist mentality, I, I worry that this can creep into the church or can creep into our walks with God. Where it becomes about our comfort and our convenience. Rather than bringing an offering to the one who is worthy. I had a great conversation with a friend of mine uh, a week or two ago. He's involved with another church in Canberra, but we were just chatting and just sharing a little bit about what, it, what God had been doing um, throughout this year. Uh, he also does like a, a youth kind of conference gathering, and we were just, um, just sharing, having a really great conversation and how how so often it's so easy to come and be critical. It's so easy to, oh, I'm not sure, is this... And how we were just chatting about how at times it's easy to kind of have the mentality that perhaps we'd have at a restaurant where we go along, oh, no one's served me yet, the food's a bit cold, um, I'm going to leave a bad review on Google. Like, but actually, it's not about that, is it, when we come when we're thinking about coming to church or our walks with the Lord. It's not about us or merely what we can get, but about Him and what we can bring as an offering. The wise men weren't looking for what they could get from the king, but simply to adore and worship Him, to bring a costly offering that wasn't in any way comfortable or convenient. So what does that look like for us? Perhaps we don't have gold, frankincense and myrrh to bring, but we all have our hearts and our lives, don't we? And I was reminded, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. And in many ways, I think it echoes this passage. It says, therefore, in view of God's mercies, we could say perhaps in light of who he is and all he has done, as we behold him, as we experience his mercy and love, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. We could say perhaps, which is your costly offering. Because it costs us everything. Bringing what we can, our lives, our hearts, our gifts, our talents, the things that God has given us, whatever our hands find to do as an offering for his glory and his worship. What's really interesting about this passage and um, the emphasis that Matthew well, includes it and the emphasis that he brings out from it about this word worship, we've come to worship him. And there's a thread throughout Matthew's gospel of uh, worship, of how, how people responded to Jesus was important to Matthew. He emphasized it on a number of occasions. We've come to worship him as we've read and give a number of verses. Matthew 8, the leper that came to Jesus and knelt down in worship, it says. Jairus, the ruler, in Matthew 9, came and knelt down and worshipped him. The disciples, when Jesus walks on water, they, came, they, they, they worshipped him. That was their response. How people responded to Jesus was important to Matthew. It was an emphasis that he brought out. And just as it was important in Matthew's gospel, 
It's so important for us today. How we respond to Jesus is paramount. So this Christmas, what's your response? What's your response to the one who is king? What's your response to the one who is king? I pray we would be a people who come before him with intentionality. Who come with intentionality to seek him, to know him, to love him, to pour out our lives before him. I pray that we would be a people who come with that sense of joy. That we would rejoice exceedingly with great joy at Jesus, at our salvation. He's brought us from darkness into light. That we have a hope that is alive in him. I pray that we would be a people who who behold him, who lift up our eyes and look to him, who see Jesus, who don't let the other things cloud our vision or our view of him in our lives. And I pray that we'd be a people who know what it is to bring an offering before him, the offering of our lives in view of God's mercy, to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is our spiritual worship, our costly offering. We know that our King has come. We know that our King, and with expectancy, we know that He is coming again. So, O come, let us adore Him. Come, let us adore Him with our words, with our songs, with our hearts, with our lives, with everything within us. Because He is King, He is exalted, He is worthy of our praise. So this Christmas, and always, of course, let us intentionally have that, that mindset, that heart posture before him. That he is king and resp- the response of heartfelt adoration and worship. Oh, come, let us adore him. Would you stand this morning? You guys happy to just come up and do you come, let us adore him. So we're going to end in a, with a song, or an opportunity to respond in worship. And uh, at the end of that time, the prayer team will be available. Uh, they're, they're keen and willing and ready to pray for anyone who would like prayer this morning, whatever the prayer need. But let me pray. Lord, I thank you for our time together today that we've been able to gather as your people to worship, to exalt your name, to bring you glory and honor and praise. And uh, I pray that that would not stop now. As we go from here, Lord, that your praise and, 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 and that, that sense of adoration would be just welling up and resonating in our hearts, Lord God. And at this time of year, at Christmas, Lord, We thank you for the hope that is in you, the joy and the peace and the life that we have. We thank you, Jesus, that you came. But we just remind ourselves and turn our eyes again and remember that, Jesus, you are King, King of glory, Lord Almighty, all-powerful, worthy of praise forever. And, uh, Lord, we come to adore you. May we be a people who 
come before you with intentionality, who seek you and pursue you, Lord. May we be a people who just live our lives with a sense of joy that that isn't dependent upon our circumstances or how we're feeling, but because you have come, Jesus. May we be a people who behold you, Lord, who keep our eyes fixed on you. And may we be a people who bring to you an offering of worship, our lives, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that as we come to Christmas this week, for fresh perspective, Lord, that our hearts will be stirred afresh with the wonder of who you are. I pray, Lord, for all those who are traveling over this next week or next few weeks, that it would be blessed time, blessed family time, refreshment, an opportunity to relax and, and just take a breath, Lord, before we start 2020. I pray that for even those who are hanging around town, that there just be a, a real refreshment for, for us as well. May we go from here this morning, filled with your spirit, full of hope, full of joy, full of wonder at who you are. We adore you, Lord Jesus.